So many times in our lives we go to the doctor and they run all sorts of tests on us. And we've got those annual physicals that we go to and they check our blood pressure, they check our pulse. Sometimes you may have had an EKG. There's PSA tests, there's mammograms, there's bone density tests. The eye doctors will check your eyes. The allergist pricks you with all sorts of things and they've got specialists to check your hearing. We have all these wellness checks, these diagnostics checks that just see how our overall health is. A few years ago, I was having my annual physical and, and I got a, a letter in the, in the mail from my doctor about a week or two later saying that my cholesterol was a little high and that I needed, it was nothing too major, but it was time to address some of those things. And he had some suggestions in there, switch from whole milk to skim milk and give up the sticks of margarine and go to that buttery, the yogurt style of, of butter spread. And, and just, just sort of change some things just to look after ourselves. Our passage this morning is a wellness check. It's a diagnostic check of how we are living out our faith. We've talked several times in the last couple of weeks about this idea of living out our faith. The idea that we live out our faith when we love God and when we love and serve our neighbor. And we've talked about the idea that we don't do this alone, that God sends us the Holy Spirit to help us to live out our faith. And that is what this passage is about. It's about telling us, well, how are we doing? How are we doing? What is our wellness check here? I have not liked this passage in the past. I have not liked this passage because I struggle with it, because there's too many places in Scripture that says we are saved by faith through grace. We are saved by faith through grace. And yet then we've got this passage that says, well, we're going to be judged on our actions. We have this passage saying that you've got to feed the hungry and give water to the thirsty and clothe the naked. And you've got to welcome the stranger and take care of the sick and visit those who are in prison. And we're going to be judged based off of that. So is it that we're being judged by faith or are we being judged by works? Are we being saved through grace or are we going to be saved by what we do? And so for me, this passage has always been sort of the contradictory one against my favorites that say it's by grace through faith that we are saved. But yet this passage is not a contradiction. Rather, it's a compliment. It's a compliment to the other. Yes, we are saved by grace. Yes, we are saved through our faith. But faith that doesn't help someone in need is a worthless faith. A faith that we just sit on the shelf and do nothing with is not what we want in our lives. That's not what God asks us to do. God gives us faith so that we can go and serve others. We have faith because God first loved us. God loves us. We react to that love in faith. And then God says, all right, take that love. Don't hold on to it. Go and give it and give it away. Our acts of mercy and justice are expressions of that love. It's an expression of grace. One Man's Treasure Closet is an organization that's out of Rockwall. And what they do is, is that they give clothing and assistance to men who are recently released from prison. The clothing that they accept, they specifically ask for clothes that are useful for job interviews. Job interviews. Because those coming out of prison need good work in order to stay in their family, to find a home, to find a decent place to live. Think about it. If you don't have a decent job, how much other things can fall apart quickly? 
And if we worship a Lord who is a Lord of second chances, then we've got to believe that everybody deserves that second chance. So one man's treasure closet accepts these clothes so that when men go on these interviews to get a job, think about it, don't you feel more confident about yourself when, you've, when you're dressed a certain way and, or when you're dressed for the job you want to get? That, that happens a lot in corporate America. You're told don't dress for the job you have, dress for the job you want. And think about how much more confident they can feel. One man's treasure closet clothes the naked. They take care of those who are sick. They visit those who are in prison. They feed the hungry. They give something to the thirsty. Everything that one man's treasure closet does is an expression of grace. It's an expression of God's love being given out. That is what grace is. Grace is God's love poured out for us. That's exactly what it is. And when we take God's love and when we give it away, we are responding to grace. Grace in our life does not simply come to us and woo us to the faith. Grace also plays a role in that nudge, that guide, that direction that the Holy Spirit gives us and says, okay, now go. Go and get at it. Go and live it. It's grace that does that for us as well. As United Methodists, we believe that God loves all people. We believe that God's grace is freely given to all people, that grace is free for all and free in all. For us to believe that, then we also must believe that God already loves everybody that we're going to meet, that love is already there, that grace is already moving, so that when we look at anyone else that we meet, we are meeting the image of God. When we look at anybody else's eyes, we will see a reflection of the love of God in Jesus Christ. Thomas Schmaltz is a Canadian sculptor, and he has created a sculpture called Homeless Jesus. Have you all seen images of this? Have you seen the Homeless Jesus? It's an image of a park bench, and on it's a full-size full full statue. On it, there is a man laying down on the bench, and there's a blanket covering up most of him. You can't see his hands. You, you can barely see the face if you bend down and, and look in. But what you can see are bare feet with the marks of the crucifixion on them. He created this sculpture based on today's scripture passage. When you have done this for the least of these, you have done it for me. When we believe that Jesus is in everyone that we're going to meet, then Jesus is going to be in the homeless person. This sculpture has now been replicated. It was first placed in the University of Toronto in 2013. It now has over 100 copies around the world. Several are in Texas. One, I think, is in Capel. You can find them in Chicago, Detroit. There's one in Rome. There's even one on the Sea of Galilee in Capernaum is where one has been placed. The sculpture is meant to challenge is meant to challenge us to say, do we really mean that Jesus is with all people? If so, then this is who Jesus is. There's room on the bench for you to sit next to his feet and pray with him. It's really cool, isn't it? It's beautiful. It's chilling. It's quite beautiful. It's, a quite, a moving, it's quite a moving piece to see. And it's just a reminder to us that if we say that God loves all people, and if we say that God is in all people, then when we look at all people, we are to see Jesus in the mentally ill, in the homeless, in the criminal, in the victim, in the bully, in each 
one of us. Jesus is there. We believe that God loves all people, that God loves me, and God intends for that love to then overflow and to spill out from us. We don't hold on to God's love and just protect it. We're supposed to take God's love and let it overflow. We've talked about that, that as we live out our faith, our faith grows, that it deepens within us, and then the love of God overflows from us. There's been a family that has come to this church many times in the past seeking financial assistance. It's two brothers and a sister. And they usually come one at a time to the church. Sometimes they come to worship, and at the end of worship, they ask for financial assistance. And it's pretty typical for us to take the cash out of the offering plate and give that to them and um, send them on their way. The last time they were here, the sister came in. Worship had already finished, and the offering had already left the building. We didn't have any cash here in the building. And what she was telling me was is that they needed some financial assistance in order to pay for gas to drive down to Parkland because her older brother was battling cancer. And I said, I said, I'm sorry, we just don't have anything for you here today. I said, can I come and pray with you? And she said her brother was in the car and invited me to come out and pray with him. And when I saw him, it was a dramatic shift from the last time I had seen him. I'm not sure exactly the type of cancer that he had, but his, his face was distorted, almost like it was being pulled down. And his arms and his feet were just trembling, just that shake that you can get. And it, it quite surprised me because I had not seen him look that way. I put my hand on his shoulder, and I prayed for him and for his family. When they left, I came back inside the building, and thank goodness, Steve was the first person that I saw, and I grabbed him and started crying. In that moment, I knew they're, they're, that family was beyond any financial assistance that this church could provide. It, it, was, it was so far past anything we could do to help, and it hurt me that we could not help them, but I also knew it sometimes you just can't for a variety of reasons. I prayed in that moment that when they left, they knew the love of God. And I, I have to hope and pray that, that the love that God has for me was overflowing upon them, and I have to hope and pray that love God has for all of us here in this church was overflowing and flowing onto him, and that when they left, they knew without question that they were loved. God loved him. I know that without question, and I hope that he knew it too before he passed away. I hope that, that when they were going to Parkland, they knew that they were not alone. The love that God gives to us causes us to have faith. God loves us first, and then we have faith. Then that love that, that God plants in us, we also see in everyone else that's around us. And we, and we look out and we see the image of Jesus in each other. We see that image of God. We see that love. And then the love that God gives for us overflows. And that's what inspires us for acts of mercy and acts of justice. To feed the hungry, to give water to the thirsty, to clothe the naked, to welcome a stranger, to visit with someone who is ill, to visit those who are in prison. Our acts of mercy express our experiences of God's love. Our acts of mercy overflow with God's love coming forth from us. Whenever you have done this to the least of me, you have done for me. Whenever we love our neighbor, we are loving 
Jesus. That's what this passage says. Whenever we show acts of mercy and justice to someone else, we are loving God. But there's also the flip of that in our passage. For when you have not done it, to the least of these, you have not done it to me. Racism. <coughs> sexism. Classism. Elitism. Every ism that we have in our society is born out of fear. Fear of the other. Fear of someone who is different from me. Fear of someone who doesn't look like me, who doesn't live like me, who doesn't talk like me, who doesn't smell like me. It's the human condition to judge first. Fear second. We worry about understanding much, much later. I don't know if you've seen these signs in yards or if you've seen it listed in the news or if you've seen it online, but they're called Welcome Our Neighbors signs. And it, what it is is that it's three bold colors with three different languages written on them, and they're usually yard signs. And what they say is, no matter where you're from, we're glad you're our neighbor. And the three languages usually is Spanish at the top, English in the middle, and Arabic at the bottom. Well, these signs started out at Emmanuel Mennonite Church in Harrisonburg, Virginia. And the reason they created these signs was an act of radical hospitality. Because they wanted to say, we don't care what you speak. We don't care where you're from. We're glad you're here. Come on in and see us. We want to visit with you. Well, now you can go online and order those signs. And you can order them in different languages. French, German, Japanese, Somali, um, Swahili. Swahili, what are some other? Hebrew is one of them. Ukrainian is one of them. And then there's all these languages I have never heard of. Countries, I don't know where they are. I don't know what those languages look like. But the idea is that you put this in your yard and you say, I'm glad you're here. I don't care where you're from. Some people take offense to those signs. They don't want those people in their neighborhood. They don't want the other in their neighborhood. The problem with that is when you say no to someone, you're actually saying no to Jesus Christ. When you're saying, no, I don't want to know you, I want to assume things about you rather than get to know you, the person you're saying no to is Jesus. I mean, you're saying, no, I don't want you anywhere near me, the person you're actually saying no to is Jesus. Today's passage challenges us. It comforts us and it reminds us that when we serve the least, we are serving Jesus. God first loved us. That's where our faith comes from. Out of that faith, we love and serve others, and when we do, we love God. Out of that love, it overflows from us. So our acts of mercy and justice express our experience of God's love, they show our love for others, but they also show our love for God. How we treat others says something about how we love God. For when you have done it or not done it, for the least of these, you have done it or not done it 
tuning to Jesus, to your personal Lord and Savior. How would your wellness check be this week? Whom have you loved and how? Whom have you ignored, avoided, or just walked right on by? In whom have you seen Jesus this past week? In whom might you see Jesus this coming week? In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.